morning. How's everybody doing? You guys full from Thanksgiving? I'm glad we get to worship the Lord together. Let's put those hands together. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opens the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet, no. We shout out. No. 
doing this morning, Awaken Church? You guys doing all right? Yeah. Hey, go ahead and grab a seat. Um, today is going to look a little different uh, than most Sundays. Um, most Sundays, obviously, we've got a couple of songs of worship, and then uh, we get into God's Word, and and then we close in a, in a final song. But today is going to look a little different. Uh, I'm going to share a few thoughts with you this morning as we continue to worship. Here in just a second, Kelly's going to share some thoughts, and then Chad's going to share some thoughts as well. And, and today is really designed as a day for us just to pause and to kind of just reflect and to praise and to worship God. The reality is, I don't know about you, but um, for me, this last year has gone by super fast. Anybody else feel that as well? Like, I, I feel like we should be in April right now. Like, it doesn't feel like we should be heading into December. And, and I know that even after Thanksgiving, uh, we're just going to now, it's only going to ramp up. It's just going to feel like I'm going to blink and December's going to be over and we're going to be in 2023. And, and the reality is, I think sometimes we get so busy with our lives that we forget to pause and just breathe. You know, the, the holiday season's going to come up. We're going to be busy going to parties, busy getting ready to travel, busy being with family. And, and we're going to miss this opportunity to just pause and to just breathe. And that's really what today is designed to do. For us just to pause, to be thankful and to give some praise to our God this morning. In fact, this week, as I was putting this message together, I was, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you get on a website and you just kind of start clicking, you kind of go deep down a, a rabbit trail. Well, I was on our church website and uh, somehow I ended up on the teaching archive. Uh, and, and on there, I saw the nine tiles of the nine series we've been in so far this year. From the way we started the series with our Go series, all the way to the I'm Not Okay series and, and all the ones in between. And and as I had kind of been looking through that and, and noticing all of it, it kind of took me back for a minute. Like I kind of had to sit back in my chair and, and just remind myself of the faithfulness of God. And, and, and for you, this may not sound like a big deal, but writing 40 messages or more than 40 messages is a big deal. And so for me, when I saw that, I thought about God's faithfulness. You know, times when I was like, how is this message going to come together? Is this even worth sharing? Is this even going to do anything? And and reminding myself of the things that God was teaching me through all of these messages. The things that I was hearing from all of you about how God was working, how God was moving, what God was showing you. And, and what it did was it caused me to pause, to reflect, and to worship God in that moment because I saw his faithfulness. You know, I, I've admitted this to you all before, but for me, I could be a very critical person. Critical of the things in the church, critical of things in my life. But when I step back... I see the bigger picture. I see that God is working and God is moving. I get a better perspective and I can praise him for what he's doing. And I was very thankful this last week uh, as I looked at all of that. And I'm sharing that, all of that with you just to simply say this. We all get busy with life, amen? We get busy with our work. We get busy with school. We get busy raising kids. We get busy uh, putting together messages. Whatever it is for you, we all get busy, we're busy people, and in the busyness, sometimes we forget to thank the Lord for what he's done, how he's moving, how he's working in our lives. And today, I want to real quick read a story about 10 men. Something incredible happened in their lives, but only one came to give thanks. It's out of Luke 17, verse 11. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 
When he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten men had the worst disease of their life, had the worst disease of their their time right now, and that was leprosy. In fact, if you had this disease, you were an outcast, you were isolated, you were the lowest of the low people. And because if you had this disease, no one wanted to get close to you. There was a fear that I would catch this disease. In fact, if you did go out in public, walk through your village, walk through your town, you would have to yell, unclean, unclean, so that people would stay away from you so that you could get to where you were going. These men were living isolated and miserable lives. But these men also have a hope because they heard Jesus was in town. They knew that Jesus had the power over disease, over death, over sickness, That's why in verse 13, as they're crying out, they're yelling to Jesus. They say, Jesus, master. The word master can be translated to mean chief commander. So in verse 13, it's like they're saying, Jesus, chief commander over sickness, over disease, over death, over life. Jesus, chief commander, would you have mercy on us? Would you heal us from this sickness? And Jesus responds to them. But the way that he responds to them is what's interesting to me. Because I want you to notice, there's no special effects. I didn't read any special effects. It wasn't like you see, uh, you know, smoke and mirrors. You don't hear like the final countdown, you know, like there's none of that happening. Jesus doesn't, you know, sometimes when you read that he's healing, he'll stick his finger in someone's ear or he'll make mud and put it on their eyes. But, But we don't read that there's a touch. There's no physical touch. He just gives them a command. And it's not even a command with a promise to it. It's just a command. Hey, go and show yourselves to the priest. Now, why did they have to show themselves to the priest? Well, that's what leopards would do. If you were healed from leprosy, the Levitical law said that you were to go and and go to the priest, and for eight days you would have this ceremony, this cleansing process, and the, the priest would make sure that you were truly healed from your leprosy. And so as an act of faith, they did what Jesus told them to do. They weren't healed. They still had their leprosy, but they, in faith, walked towards the priest obeying what Jesus said. And they showed themselves and they were completely healed. Think about how crazy that is for just a second. The Bible doesn't tell us how long these people had leprosy. They might've had it for most of their life, all of their life. We don't really know. I like to think that they had it for a very long time and they were probably overjoyed, filled with just such great joy because they were isolated. They weren't able to hang out with their loved ones. They weren't able to hang out and just go to social gatherings. They were alone and isolated people and now they are healed and they just had to have great joy. At, at, at their healing. And, and it wasn't like they had mirrors or they could take a selfie to see. Like They were probably looking at each other going, wait, you don't have leprosy. And you don't have leprosy. And you don't have leprosy. And, and they were probably freaking out, getting really excited over all of it. But what's interesting is in this story is that one came back and thanked Jesus for what he did for him. We read that it was a Samaritan man. And this Samaritan man had been loud with his pleading for healing, and now he is loud with his praise. 
the, the word loud voice comes from two Greek words. And that's where we get our English word megaphone from. And so what's really cool about this whole story is that this Samaritan man was shouting out like a megaphone his prayer. But now he's doing the exact same thing and he's shouting out like a megaphone his praise. So here's the point. Here's the thought I want us to think about as we continue to worship. We're so often, we're we're quick to, to go to prayer, which is good, and ask God for so many things in our lives, but we're slow to give thanks. We're happy to to enjoy the gifts that God has given us, but we forget to thank the giver of the gifts. We're quick to pray, and we're slow to praise. We might even be quick to shout out our prayers and keep our praise very silent. I know for me, this is not something I'm saying, shame on all you. I do this myself. I'm guilty of this. Lord, would you do A, B, and C, and don't forget to do X, Y, and Z. And then I just kind of keep going with the busyness of life. I keep going, doing my thing, forgetting to shout the praise in my life as well. This Samaritan man came to give thanks, and we need to follow his example. Even if we feel like life has dealt us a bad hand, we are called to give thanks. This man was dealt a bad hand, but he was healed and he gave thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. Not just the circumstances that you agree with or the ones that you think are good, but in all circumstances. And it goes on to say, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, it's easy to give thanks for the good things. Job, having money in a bank, having a roof over our head, having a big Thanksgiving meal, amen, right? It's easy to give thanks for the friendships that we have. But when it, is it possible for us to give thanks even when things seem to be bad, like losing a job, not having as much money in the bank as we would like to, having poor health? But you know what? I don't believe this side of heaven. As I've walked with the Lord for a long time now, as I've walked with the Lord, one thing that I've realized is that I don't think on this side of heaven it's clear what the good things are and the bad things. You know, even in, in God's word, we have a promise in Romans 8, 28 that says, for God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It's not a promise for every single person. It's for those who love him. And so God takes the good things that we see, the bad things, and he puts it all together and he's working it out for our good. Jesus asked the question at the end of the story. He says, hey, weren't there nine of you guys? Where are the rest of them? I think Jesus, in light of the story, might look at some of us today and say, where are you? Have you come and given things? Things to be thankful for? You might think, well, I don't know that I have anything to be thankful for today. I think you do. If you woke up this morning, you have something to be thankful for. If you have a house over your, or a roof over your head, if you are in a house, you're, you're better off than a lot of people. If you drove here in a car, you're doing pretty good. If you're able to snag those Black Friday deals, that's something to be thankful for. This economy's rough. It's good to get some, get some deals. But if nothing else, listen, if nothing else, 
The fact that your sin separated you from God, you have hope for eternity because God sent his son Jesus to come to this earth. He took on your sin, your, the things that you did, the, the stuff that you are guilty of. Jesus knew no sin, yet he became sin for us. And he died on that cross for our sins, conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave when he rose from the dead. And because of that, if we repent of our sins and turn from those sins and turn to Jesus, we have hope for eternity. We have a lot to be thankful for this morning. And so in the busyness of life, we've got a lot going on as this year is going to accelerate more and more. Today is designed for us to pause and to reflect and to thank God for what he's done for us. And so what I want to do is I'm going to close us in prayer real quick here. And for the next minute, All I want you to do is right where you're at, silently just pray. Thank God. Be the one to return and give thanks for what God has done for you this year. And maybe you haven't come to him and thanked him for anything over the past several years because you've been busy. Now's the time to give thanks for what God has done. So Father, we come as your children, as your people gathered in your house wanting to thank you for the many blessings that you have given us. The fact that we live in this country, we thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you. God, we thank you for providing this space for us to meet and the kids' space across the the way here, Lord. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to this earth to live and die and rise again so that we could have hope. Be mad.
meet you here, God. Be magnified and lifted high. When every creature finds its inmost melody, Be my. 
we get to sit in the presence of the Lord. We're not going to rush through today. I'm really excited we get to wait on the Lord. Nate had asked me to share about what worship and gratitude looks like, looks like in our lives, to live a life of worship and gratitude. And so I'm excited to share just to scratch the surface of what that looks like, just a hair, but what does it mean to live a life of gratitude and worship? Well, I can tell you one thing, it's not skipping around. It's not walking through life smiling all the time. It's not pretending that everything's okay when sometimes it's just not. It's not pretending that you like something that maybe is happening to you or even the things that you do. But living a life of gratitude is different. It means that in any situation, good or bad, there's a deep feeling of thankfulness for what Christ has done for you. Pastor Nate talked about that just a moment ago. Knowing that Jesus paid the price for our sins, for mine, that I deserved to pay, knowing that he took them and removed them as far as the east is from the west. That, deep in our hearts, knowing that, gives us real gratitude and real joy. What does that do with relation to worship? Well, it should cause us to respond in worship. Worship is the extravagant respect or admiration or devotion to an object of esteem. Worship really means to give value to worthship together means worship. And so you're ascribing value to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, this is who you are. I lift you up. I'm speaking the truth of who you are. In first Chronicles, we read, ascribe to the Lord, the glory due his name, bring an offering and come before him, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Now us telling of who God is does not add to his value. We're simply just reflecting and bringing him the glory he is due. We cannot increase his value. Our praise and worship just lifts him up. And instead, it shifts our hearts to reflect and focus on who he is. Just a moment ago, we sang, I won't be formed by feelings. I'll hold fast to what is true. That is choosing worship. To speak the value of who God is and to have extravagant respect Love and devotion to him, no matter what's going on around us, that's choosing gratitude and worship. Scripture tells us over and over again to praise, worship, and give value to the Lord with our whole lives. Psalms 95 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. And in Colossians, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing praise, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him. Living a life of gratitude and worship changes how we do everything in our life. You you may have heard me say we often position our our postures in an attitude of praise and, and adoration. 
And what that means is sometimes we have to physically change our posture to help lead our hearts where we want to place them. You can't steer a boat, that, uh, you can't steer a boat that's not moving, right? If the sails aren't up, you can't go anywhere. So bowing in reverence, physically changing your posture, kneeling before the king, lifting up your hands in surrender, or lifting up his name for who he is. He's worthy of all praise. That changes our hearts and helps lead us into that life of surrender. The mighty warrior King David also said, Because of your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. God desires our hearts. He desires us to have gratitude for what he's done for him. Not in ignorance, but in truth of who he is. You may be thinking to yourself right now, Kelly, you don't know what I've faced. Sure, you can sing songs. You can be happy. You don't know what I've seen. You don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't. But I do know that I've faced really dark valleys too. I've been hurt. I've hurt others. I've failed. I've been in places where I felt so alone that I felt God forsaken me altogether. Sometimes if you're like me, you might question even why such a good God would allow hard things to happen and why on earth are we supposed to praise him and lift him up even still? Let's hold that thought. We're going to practice something together for a moment. Part of worship is declaring the truth of who God is, right? So we're going to quote together Psalms 107.1, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. So in a little bit, you're going to hear me say that, and I want you to join in with me and say that together. Let's practice. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's do that one more time. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. These pains, these temptations, these hurts, and the hardships that we face in a fallen world, living and being sinful people, we create all kinds of harm. But please hear me. Walking in a life of worship and gratitude is intentionally chosen by us. And it changes our perspective and shifts our focus from what we are experiencing here and now to the truth of who God is. So day to day, taking captive every thought, choosing to walk in worship and gratitude, walking in obedience to this will change our hearts. And as we walk in worship and gratitude, you will see how the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is not far off. He has not failed. He will not fail. No matter what is happening around us, God is still good and always will be. When darkness surrounds us, give thanks to the Lord For he is good, his love endures forever. When death is knocking at our door, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his love endures forever. When joy abound and provisions flow, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his love endures forever. And when he returns in triumph and victory, we will still say, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, his love endures endures forever. Amen.
Hello, brothers and sisters. My name is Chad Galusha, for those of you who don't know me. And Kelly did ask me uh, to talk about authentic worship today. What does that mean, authentic worship? As I thought through what I would say in, the, in these next few moments, I thought I'd start with a, just a simple definition. What is authenticity? Well, being authentic means you're of undisputed origin and genuine. And as I thought about what that means, how does that apply to authentic worship and what we do here at church, I thought first about, well, what about our life to, that we live as Christians? What does authenticity look like as we live our daily lives? Uh, there's tons of Bible passages, in the New, especially in the New Testament, about how to live our lives as Christians, how to go about our daily business, how to interact with one another. Uh, one I thought um, was really applicable was 1 Peter chapter 1, 14 through 19. I'm going to read a few verses talk about them briefly. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself. with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So a few thoughts I had about that passage is that our call is serious. And how serious is it? Well, God says to be holy as I am holy. And for those of you who may not have yet done a deep study on God's holiness in Scripture, I would, I would urge you to, sometime in the near future, try to, try to really look at what God's holiness is. Because it not only means a set apart from sin, which is kind of a, a common theme, but even before there was sin, because there was a time before creation, right? At least uh, how we know of time is in eternity, God was holy. So whether there's sin or not, God is holy. And what does that mean? He's very, very special, very set apart. And, and so the, the seriousness, the, the holy living corresponds with the seriousness of the, of the sacrifice of Jesus, that God, God sent his only son, right? We know that verse, God sent his only son uh, to be the savior of the world. And that's, that's a really big deal. It's not just like another animal, another year. It's like God was putting a stamp on sin once and for all. So he sent the, uh, Jesus and so it's not a trivial thing. And uh, so the what of this passage, in my mind, I was thinking, well, how does this apply to us for being authentic in our daily lives? We conform to Christian virtues, to Christian values. We, can, we uh, conform to God's holiness and also the proper conducting of our faith as we walk. And the why, as we mentioned, is God's holiness and the sacrifice of Jesus. I know sometimes if you're like me, uh, not every single Sunday you're in the right mindset or the mood or the right emotion to come worship God properly. And so it's being authentic before God. So how do we approach him when we come to the service, when we, the music starts playing, the, the sermon is going, Nate's preaching, and we're worshiping him through the word. How do I come before God? Uh, there's different modes we could be in. We might be devastated. We might have anger 
for different reasons, right? I've been, I've been angry before God at times, uh, just being honest before you all. And I think back to, to Job. Job lost it all. He lost kids, he lost servants, he lost property, he lost animals. And Job was anger, and I think we can understand his anger because he was through such a difficult time in his life. And so he did. He contended with God. And so God listened. God was patient and kind. And then God answered. And then what an answer it was. If you've read the book of Job, you see how God answered and said, I'm the creator. Look at all the things I've done. Where were you when I created everything? And Job, Job was humbled. So we can come before God authentically angry or devastated, but we have to know that God might also humble us through that experience. So we come before a holy, righteous, and awesome God who right, created everything from nothing. So be prepared to be humbled if you come before him angry. Uh, sometimes we might not be feeling God's presence or we might feel empty inside. We may not feel God is with us. I think of David in Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I, I cry by day, but you do not answer and by night, but I find no rest. And yet here he goes after that, but you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. David felt apart from God. He did not feel God with him. And yet he still recognized God's holiness and his praise to his people. If times are good, humbly thank him for the moment. I've been, we've been through good times in our life too. And it's God, thank you for the great things that I have, the things you've given me, the food, shelter, family. Thank you for all those things. If your prayer time or scripture time has been limited for the week, then admit to God, like when worship starts, talk to him about that. I've been there before where I'm like, worship starting, I'm like, I barely prayed at all this week. Or I barely read this week. Like I should have done a lot better. So, well, approach God about it. Be humble before him. Admit to him. Be real with him. But like I mentioned earlier, be humble because God is a way of humbling Christians if we come to him proud. And then finally, authentic worship. What is authentic worship? Uh, you may all be familiar with the, the first John 4, 4.24 says, And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so what do those things mean? Well, truth, truth is who God is. And not only who God is, but what God has said. So if God has said to do certain things as Christians, those are the things he expects us to do. And of course, of who God is. God is loving, God is patient, God is kind. God is also just, and like we've talked about, God is extremely holy. And so we have to recognize these things as we come to him. And then worship him in spirit. And uh, I read a few different commentaries on this, and the consensus seems to mean that worshiping in spirit means it's sincere and from the heart. So when you see the words on the screen, you're not just, your mind is blank and you're just you know, opening your mouth after the words. It's actually singing the words or even mouthing the words if you don't sing out loud from your heart. And so sometimes for me, it's taking what the message of the song is 
And then maybe I'm not singing that exactly, but I'm praising God for who he is with the theme of that song. And then lastly, I want to close with a passage in Hebrews. Let me turn to it, sorry. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And the surrounding context of this verse is interesting because it's not like if things are bad or things are good. It's just this is something we do. Let us offer up to him a continuous sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of our lips. God wants to hear us praise him. So I encourage you, as my brothers and sisters in Christ, be sincere in your heart, know who God is, and worship him. Through the way things appear, you're looking. 
See 